the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. We wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies, for in this hope we were saved. That is what we are exploring today as we continue our journey through Romans next, here on Abounding Grace. Read through the epistles, and the Apostle Paul has an awful lot to say about hope. But here, in Romans chapter 8, verses 18 through 25, we get a clear understanding as to what it is we hope in and why. Welcome to Abounding Grace, the ministry of Reformed Heritage Church here in San Jose and online at reformedheritage.org. We invite you to spend time with us today as we return to Romans chapter 8, verses 18 through 25, Saved in Hope. Here's Pastor Gary with today's Abounding Grace. Saved in Hope. I'd like to begin today by reading verse 17 of chapter 8. And to children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. God, in his wisdom, has joined sonship to suffering. It is really a waste of time to ask why, although there are many good reasons. But it is more important to look at Jesus. He is the Son, eternal incarnate and when he came to earth how did he live bring me another martini is that how he lived no in fact that's blasphemous because he laid down his life and he was obedient unto death of the cross not my will father but thine be done So what our Lord Jesus did as our mediator, clothed in our flesh, is he set the path for all true sons and daughters of God. We will not partake of glory unless we partake of the sufferings of Christ. They will look different. It's not like everyone will have the same suffering cookbook in your life simmering on the stove. But at some level, the sufferings of our head will be filled out in his body. Please turn to Colossians 1.24. Now, this doesn't mean that our sufferings are redemptive like his word, his were. But there is a real union that we have with Christ in our sufferings. Paul says here, Colossians 1.24, and you've got to listen carefully. Who now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh 
for his body's sake, which is the church. Now, what in the world does that mean? Jesus didn't suffer enough, so now we have to suffer some? No, that's not it. Nor certainly is it we will need to suffer because we need to purge ourselves, so let's just beat up on ourselves. No, he set the trail for us. Yes, we do need purging. We do need chastening. We do need the discipline of the cross. But higher than all of that, sufferings are the path to the crown. God in his wisdom has set that relationship and even more where we are so joined to our head, Christ, you are if you know the Savior, that you are going to learn the same lesson he learned, obedience. He learned obedience by what he suffered, we see in Hebrews 5, 7, and 8. There are going to be times in your life where you are going to be brought to the same place he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, where you simply have to yield to him and say, Lord, it's not what I see with my eyes, not what I want to do, not my connections, not my emotions, not my will, but thine be done. That is what Paul means here by the afflictions of Christ be filled up in his body. He is the head. He is the son with a capital S. And all of the sons and daughters under him, we are going to learn to walk as he walked. Our father is going to bring us on this path. How he lived and suffered and obeyed is the way we must live if we are to partake of the glory that is to come. Now, we saw two weeks ago when we focused on verses 18 through 23, we are not alone in the suffering. We are not alone in the glory. The trees, the dirt, the rocks, the fish, the chipmunks, the very order of creation, it is groaning also. Because we brought a curse unwilling upon God's good world. It didn't want to be cursed. The rocks shouted out for joy with God. They did before and they will again. The trees clapped their hands when God made them. There are things, though, that we cannot know with even all the science in the world. We have to understand science as useful as it is in understanding the mysteries of the universe, but it is like studying the mysteries of a morgue because the universe is dying. It is waiting for the same trumpet we are waiting for when Jesus returns and all will be perfected, when sin and the curse are fully eradicated from our lives. So the entire universe will share one day in our glory and our joy. So while we wait, though, we don't want to underestimate the reality of, excuse me, of suffering. Nor do we want to mistake the cause of our groaning. Maybe 
this is a very important passage for us to look at considering our times. Because too often when we talk about suffering, all the attention is on the sufferer. My woes, my feelings, my hurts, my loneliness, my pains. All this is just selfishness oozing out of our pores. Our sufferings are real. They can be intense with dangerous diseases, death, evil people, corrupt politicians. There are all of these things, and sometimes there are so many of them that it seems like we have entered right into the fiery furnace. But understand, not only is God with us in those times of suffering, but the sufferings, if we endure them by faith, are a part of the dynamic that Jesus has introduced by his resurrection. We don't often think of it like this, but our sufferings are not, well, you know, we're just dust. We're just blown by the wind. Bad things happen to good people. No, Jesus suffered as the Son incarnate. He suffered, he died, he rose again for us. He ascended and he has defeated sin and death and he has put a new principle of life within us. And John calls this a seed in 1 John 3, 6. And this life, this hope, as we will see, is pulsating within us. It is waiting to come to birth. So those sufferings are some of the incubations, some of the heat that God brings into our lives so that seed grows and matures and brings forth fruit unto God's everlasting honor and unto our joy. So, our sufferings are part of something much bigger than just what I've got to do in the morning when I wake up with my sick child or with my sickness or my commute. This is something bigger. God is going to rejuvenate the entire created order. And it is waiting for the manifestation of God's glory in us so it can rejoice too. So when we suffer, when we walk with God through the valley of affliction, remember this. This is no time to have a private pity party. This is the time to remember. Yes, there is pain. Yes, there are tears. Yes, there is frustration. Yes, there is the longing to depart and be with Christ which is better by far. But there is also this coming glory that our sufferings are contributing to because God shows his power through our weaknesses. God is confounding the wisdom of this world by using such weak people as we are to reveal his glory and bring others to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. There's a lot going on when we suffer, when we go through hardship, when we are afflicted, when we are sick, and when we are on the deathbed. And Paul says you need to keep these things in mind. In other words, we don't suffer and groan as part of some self-focused novel. Oh, woe is me. My life is just so bad. We suffer 
with a suffering that is working an eternal weight of glory if we yield ourselves. If we, verse 24, have hope. Hope. Hope is not the flimsy, man, I hope this will happen. I would really like to go to the beach today. I hope my wife will make Chile, Colorado tonight. Hope is very different than I hope I win the lottery. Maybe I will. Maybe I won't. This is not what this means when it speaks of hope. Hope. Now listen. This is the definition that we're going to be working with. Hope is the confident expectation that what God has promised, He will perform. Again, hope is the confident expectation that what God has promised, He will perform. It is not based upon my good feelings, and this is what makes Christian hope so powerful. It's not based upon a feeling I have within me. It is based upon God's love, God's faithfulness, God's power, Because even though we can't see how certain things he has promised will come true, faith asks when we are suffering, how does hope respond in adversity? Psalm 42, verse 1. David is longing here for the Lord. And he says, tears have been my meat day and night. He said, I have a diet of tears. But notice he says in verse 5, and by the way, it's always good to ask questions of yourself To actually dialogue with yourself. Why am I thinking this? Why do I feel this way? Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope thou in changed circumstances. Hope thou in I feel better about things. Will I feel better about things tomorrow? Hope thou in... I will surely like my children tomorrow more than today. No, hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. This is a powerful idea. Paul in Romans fifteen thirteen, which we won't look at today, uses a title for God, the God of hope. Why is he called the God of hope? It is because his word is sure than anything that we see with our eyes. His word is more reliable guide than our emotions, more than what we read on the internet, more than what our husbands tell us, more than what our parents tell us. It is his voice. It is his word. He has spoken it and it will without a shadow of a doubt, come to pass. Turn to Psalm 22, verse 9. This hope was our Savior's confidence when he was on the cross, while he was being stricken, smitten, and afflicted. David, a thousand years ahead of time, tells the faithful the things that the Messiah is going to be be wrestling with on the cross. Verse 9 The Lord is here anticipating the mocking of the world. Verses 7 and 8, he says, Yet yet you are he who brought me out of the womb. 
You made me trust or hope when upon my mother's breast. God did this. Your promises, Father, I have hoped in you since I was a nursing infant. So necessary is Christian hope that we have a verse like 1 Thessalonians 5.8. And while you're turning there, remember again the definition of hope. Hope is the confident expectation that God will perform what he has promised because his word will never fail to come to pass. Verse 8. But let us who are of the day be sober or serious-minded, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet the hope of salvation. When you go into battle, your head is pretty vulnerable, right? So you wear a big old helmet. In the Christian life, you are vulnerable to Satan's attacks and your own stupidity, just like I am. Unless you have on the head of your soul the helmet of the hope of salvation. That God's word is true and that he will always keep his promises to his people. Let's look at a little more at hope. Romans 4. In the life of Abraham. How did Abraham become the father of many nations? Romans chapter 4 verse 18. Talking about Abraham. Who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. Abraham's hope was being crushed out of him. Long waiting, many trials, and yet he believed in hope. He believed in the assurance that what God had said, God would bring to pass. When every earthly consideration said, it is impossible. Sarah is postmenopausal. You are an old, old man who has never had a child. And everything you see with these eyes say, no, no, no. Hagar, Eliezer, Ishmael, and all these circuitous routes to try. Abraham believed in hope. He believed that what God had said God would do. He didn't know how, and he didn't know when. What did he base all that on? Look at verse 20. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, that is God, he was able to perform. That is the most fundamental characteristic of hope in all the Bible. It is right there in that verse, and that is hope looks to God's faithfulness and God's power. Look in Titus chapter 1, verse 2. In hope of eternal life, which God, that cannot lie, promised before the foundation of the world began, or before the world began. Notice here how hope is tied to God. God cannot lie. So Abraham, Sarah, you're going to have a baby. You're way past the age. You're way past the baby reproductive stuff. But God said, you're going to have a baby. Abraham said, I don't know how, but we are going to have a baby. 
Because God's word is truer than our reproductive cycles. God's word is truer than our weakness in our old age. Look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 21. God cannot lie. When he makes a promise, it is going to happen. 1 Peter 1, 21. Who by him do believe in God, that raised him from the dead and gave him glory, that your faith and hope might be in God. So you think about the promises that God has made. And I'm going to narrow this down and make it more specific to this passage in just a minute. But I'm trying to get you to see some things about hope. Hope looks away from what I see with my eyes and looks at the God who has spoken. Hope says with David in Psalm 118.89, Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. We have a hard time believing this because... Wolves have raped our hope in Scripture. But this book that we have is eternal in the heavens, beloved, because it is God's holy word. That is where our hope rests. God cannot lie. He is faithful. He keeps his promises. And he is able to perform and keep that which I have committed to him And therefore, since he cannot lie, I am going to run to his promises for the refuge of my life. So when we come to Romans 8.24, it says that we are saved by hope. Now, a few little grammatical things. It is probably better here to take this phrase and to take the dative case as indicating the mode of being saved. Not as in we are justified through faith. Here the phrase best means we are saved in hope. Into hope. Not by hope. In fact, the past tense of the verb saved is an aorist passive. So basically what Paul means is God saved us by the power, his power into a way of life. Characterized by hope. Hope is his promise. Hope is his faithfulness. Now understand this hope is more than a positive outlook. Shiny, happy people like all of you. It was very different than that. It's not the confidence that everything will turn out fine in the end. Specifically, this hope into which we have been saved is And pay attention to the context, Romans 18, 18 through 25. We are saved in the hope of resurrection and renewal. No matter how much death we see, how much disease, how much suffering, God has said there will be a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells alone. You will have a resurrected body. There will be no more disease, no more tears, no more sin. He says, I will rejuvenate all things by my power. And this was our Savior's great hope we see in Psalm 16, verses 9 through 11, particularly verse 9. Therefore my heart is glad and my glory rejoiceth, and my flesh also shall rest in hope. For you will not leave my soul in hell, Neither will you suffer your Holy One to see corruption. 
you will show me the path of life. Now look at Acts 2, Peter's Pentecostal sermon. You'll see Peter gives us a definitive interpretation of this passage. Verse 22 of Acts 2. Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as you yourselves also know. Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, you have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God has raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. For David, Psalm 16, speaking concerning him, said, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice, and my tongue was glad. Moreover, also my flesh shall rest in hope, because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Well, that's all the time we have today. This has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. If you'd like to review today's broadcast, we would invite you to contact us for a copy of the program. They're available for just $5. Mention today's date and we'll send a CD your way. Here's where to write to us. PMB number 402, 1484 Pollard Road. That's in Los Gatos, California. The zip code is 95032. Again, that's PMB number 402, 1484 Pollard Road. Los Gatos, California, 95032 is that address. Our phone number, if you'd rather call, 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. Our website is reformedheritage.org. And if you'd like to join us for worship, Sunday services are at 2 p.m. We meet at the Lone Hill Church on 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions at our website, reformedheritage.org. Or again, call 408 408- Eight six six five six zero seven. Thank you for joining us today. We look forward to seeing you next time we get together as we continue our studies in God's Word. Until then, may Christ be your abounding grace. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.